Hey, child-free besties. Welcome to the No Bibs, Burks, Bottles podcast, the number one podcast that focuses on empowering, highlighting, and celebrating African-American women who are child-free, wonderfully made, and living their absolute best child-free life. I am your host and favorite child-free bestie, Dr. Angela L. Harris. Here on the No Bibs, Burps, Bottles podcast, we aim to dispel the stereotypes and assumptions that child-free sisters are lonely, unfulfilled, and unhappy without motherhood and children. So join in on the discussions, which will feature intimate one-on-one interviews, the occasional themed and bonus episodes, and my personal journey and experiences of being a child-free content creator and expert. Remember, womanhood is not synonymous with motherhood. So welcome, welcome everyone to another episode of No Bibs, Burps, Bottles. I am your host, Dr. Angela L. Harris. I tell people you can call me Doc Sarah, you can call me Angela, just keep it clean, keep it clean. And I'm so excited to bring another special guest to you guys. She has done phenomenal things, but we are going to jump right into it because I want you to hear the sister's story. So I have Dr. Phyllis Gillians with me today. And I just want you guys to welcome her with open arms. She's going to tell us a little bit about herself, her child-free journey, and a little bit about the interesting and exciting things that she is doing um, in regards to her professional and personal experiences. So she is also my soror. So I'm also excited to mention that. So hey, soror Phyllis. Hey, soror Anza, And I thank you so much for inviting me And I'm very excited to finally meet you and to be a part of the movement. Yes, yes, yes. Well, like I said, you have been doing phenomenal things. So I'm going to let you share with our audience a little bit about yourself. Okay. I am Dr. Phyllis E. Gillians. I'm 54 years old, born and raised in the great state of New Jersey. I am a proud product of Essex County Public Schools. I was born in East Orange, New Jersey and raised in Orange, New Jersey. I am a proud graduate of St. Augustine's College, now University in Raleigh, North Carolina. I have a Bachelor of Science degree in criminal justice. Mm -hmm. I also have a Master of Social Work degree and a specialization in children and their families. Clinical concentration from Fordham University Graduate School of Social Service where I also hold a post-master's certificate in child and adolescent therapy. And I'm also a former employee at Fordham University. I was assistant to the dean in charge of student programs. And while I was there, I took advantage of a wonderful opportunity of pursuing my doctor of education degree. Yes, in executive leadership, administration and policy, policy, excuse me. And, then I just laid back for a little while, um, you know, took a little break for about a year. And then I moved here. I currently live in Bowie, Maryland. Mm-hmm. I am an associate professor of social work at Bowie State University, BSU. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. I've been in this position next month will be 10 years. I came here with my master's degree in social work and was hired. Um, and decided to move here and accept the position. I teach um, in the Department of Social Work. Um, I teach two courses, Introduction to the Profession of Social Work and Male-Female Relationships. So I love teaching the juniors and seniors about healthy relationships with their friends, family, and significant 
others. It's a very popular course at Bowie State and it gives me the opportunity to talk about the realness of relationship and what's healthy and what's not healthy. Mm -hmm. um, my side hustle has always been teaching, always on the side, even when I worked as an administrator, I started teaching part-time as an adjunct professor in 2005 mm -hmm. at Manhattanville College. So that was my side hustle. I always teach my students, you have to know how to spread your hustle, yeah. especially in the field of social work, spread it legally. We spread our hustle <laughs> legally. So, you know, that was always my side hustle. I single mother who was divorced. Um, by the time I was nine years old, my parents were divorced. I have three older sisters, one passed in uh, 2019 unexpectedly. And I lost my mother in 2017, but mm -hmm. she laid the foundation. Yes. Um, mm -hmm. And that will lead me into my story yes. about how I am single at the age of 54 and motherless. Um, well, I say, I, I say let's just get right into it because I'm excited to know your story and I know the audience is excited to hear your story too. So how would you, my soror, Dr. Gillians, how would you describe your life currently as a child-free African-American Black woman? How would you describe it? I'm, I'm so, it's so peaceful here. I'm in my space. You don't even hear the fish bubbling, <laughs> you know, behind me. Um, I'm good. I'm good with where I am. I would describe it as um, very exciting. I can go and come as I please. I don't feel like, you know, I have to worry about anyone. I don't feel empty at all. I'm in a very proud space and to be able to say, hey, I stuck to something I believe um, that I have always believed in. And, you know, there were some stumbling blocks along the way, but I'm glad to be in this space child free. I think um, this is the way it was meant for my life to end up this way. And I'm happy. I'm mm -hmm. happy with that. Mm -hmm. And that's really what this podcast is all about, is really highlighting and celebrating sisters like yourself to be able to dispel the myth that we're not just kind of hiding under a rock and we're, you know, so sad that and so incomplete because we don't have children. And you've displayed yourself that, that peace, that calmness, that happiness. Um, but now that you kind of talk about that, were there ever, um, like, what are your earliest recollections of either warning children or not warning children? Like, when did that come into focus for you? It never did. I never thought about it. I never thought about, oh, I must have children by this time. I want to be married. It was never a thought. Like, it was something that had to happen in my lifetime. Like, I'm going to get married. I must do this. My... Uh, I guess what I grew up thinking about more so was education, education. My mother said, I'm sending you off to college not to get an MRS degree. I'm sending you to get a BA or a BS degree. So I always thought about education first. And that's, that's the route that I took, you know, mm -hmm. um, you know, education at that time, graduated from college, going right to work right after college, becoming independent. And I like that freedom. Let's just perfectly honest. I mean, I was able to get up and move to Miami and move back to New Jersey and move to Stanford, Connecticut and move to Bowie, Maryland. And I didn't have to worry about anyone except for me, you know, or 
a significant other or to worry about a father or a custody issue or anything like that. I could just pick up and did pretty much each time. So and just you know, go. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It, it, it made it made it made me I think it made my life easier to be mm -hmm. able to be so carefree to be able to go and come as I wanted to and not have to worry about a little one at mm -hmm. all mm -hmm. you know so, and I didn't see it as being selfish you know some people say well that's selfish no not when you're thinking about yourself and your self-care first mm -hmm. it's not being selfish it's taking care of yourself and knowing what you're able to do and what you don't have to necessarily do just to be. And so a lot of times society or people or families or partners, people believe that women um, at some point have this, this calling or this yearning to produce and have, a, have children. So that biological clock, right? So are you saying that that biological clock was silenced for you and that you just, it just never started ticking. Therefore, it wasn't even on your radar to think about being a mother or having children. That biological clock started when I cared for my nephew when I was 16 years old and his mother went off to college in North Carolina. My third older sister gave birth to a bubbling little boy during her senior year in college. And when she went off to college, my mother and I became his caretaker. And the same with my second, my oldest sister, I'm sorry, when she became a mother and I was in college, you know, we all as a family supported, you know, my sisters. And so I have been parenting from a, a very young age and had the experience enough to know what it is to change a, time, a child's doc, a diaper and take a child to a medical appointment and you know, taking my nephew to the babysitter every morning as a senior in high school. That was my job. People thought that my nephew was my child, but he wasn't. So I had the experience, you know, with nieces and nephews and now grandnieces and nephews. Normally you would see a 10 year old running around here because he visits me every summer because he feels like this is his vacation home. So I still have that experience. And then I teach. Mm -hmm. And, and I have about 85 new children every semester. That is enough. Yes. That is enough. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I have. And they say, how many children do you have? I said, this semester, I'm at 90. Wow. Those, the, that, I'm good. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And really, that story is so beautiful because I have um, goddaughters. Um, I just visited my great godson. Um, I have a nephew. And a lot of times people think because we don't have children, um, that children are not somehow in our, in our lives. I work at a college too. So thank you for sharing that experience because you don't have to have children to be maternal, right? And you've just dispelled that, that you were able to give this love and have this maternal instinct to care for your nieces and nephews. Mm -hmm. It started off early for me and I was never asked. I knew it was my sister and my mother gave us all the same opportunity. And people questioned, why are you letting her leave her baby and go off to school? And my mother said, I'm giving all my children the same opportunity. So that was something that was instilled in me. Education is so important. Have your own. She never said, now I'm preparing you to get married. I'm preparing you to be a good wife. You know, she didn't take us that route. She said, this is what can happen if you do this. This is what I want you to know. This is what I want you to focus on. 
this is what will lead you the path, you know, you need to know this is, she gave us all the tools mm-hmm. you know, that allowed me to even be at this point today. So yes. I think it's the experience and it, I don't really, you know, society has its rules and regulations about everyone. There's something about some, some, some other group I might belong to that they have something to say about, but this is an opportunity for us to say, Hey, yes, I don't, and I don't have to, I guess, conform to the norm, what society says that we should bear children, that we should have husbands, et cetera, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. Yes. yes. Well, let's jump into the next question. So what are your positive or negative experiences in groups with friends, family, colleagues being child-free? And maybe some, some additional information to that. Um, you know, I know people share their stories about, you know, being at work and being asked to work late or the assumptions that are made about professional women um, who don't have children that, you know, we don't have anything to go home to. So why not work an extra hour? So what are your positive or negative experiences in those groups being a child-free system? I, I think that the, the positive experiences, I've always been the support that even my workers, me having the understanding of the babysitter is not coming today. And okay, but you've got to work. Okay, bring them in my office behind my desk, setting up the pallet, you know, understanding, even being a professor, understanding that, you know, working at HBCU, it's going to be a little bit different. Some of the students are going to have children. You can't have them sit in the hallway. They have to sit in the room with the parent. All right, let them put their headphones on because they don't need to hear what Dr. Gillians is going to be saying. It's there's some stuff going on in here. You know, having that understanding of um, what's different. The experiences that I would have with, with my friends is making sure that their children, when they will come over, understand this is Auntie Phyllis's place in here. We don't jump around. Yes. No, 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 we don't. And so, and so the parents looking at me like, you know, the kids, I say, okay, but they're yours. Do something about that. Okay. So, you know, having that type of fun and, you know, looking in, but my friends understanding, telling the, the kids, don't touch this, don't touch this, don't get in Auntie Phyllis's way and things missing and, you know, my OCD, OCD setting in about, you know, touching and moving things, but never anything negative okay. you know, about why don't you have children or, you know, um, should you, you know, my father asked me once, when are you going to slow down and have children? And I was surprised that he even said that to me, but I never had any pressure put mm-hmm. on me, always positive experiences and ex- ex- basically helping my friends being a part of their children's lives as auntie, you know. Okay, Auntie Phyllis, right? Uh-huh. Auntie Fabby, because I'm fabulous. They call me Auntie Fabby. You like know, that. I made that up. I made <laughs> I like I like that. I like that. So you mentioned your dad right uh, a few seconds ago. So kind of transitioning to just your family and your parents. So I know I've spoke to a lot of sisters where they're like, you know, parents are like, it's ticking, it's time for some grandkids, right? And it's subtle pressure. It's a comment here. It's a dropping of, hey, you know, what when when you think you're gonna have kids? So did your parents um, ever kind of drop subtle hints about wanting grandchildren or inquiring about getting married and, and kind of your life and you creating your own family? No, it was different because my mother thought that because she divorced my father early 
that she did something wrong. Um, my mother divorced my father in the 70s. That was a time where women didn't leave their husbands in, in the early 70s. My father was very abusive. So my childhood, um, I understood what that meant, domestic violence, what it looked like and having that experience and saying that's a relationship I would never want. So I think that guided me as to what I would stand for and not tolerate in relationships to make sure I was making the right decision. So um, I've never met anyone who impressed upon me that they would basically be able to fill those shoes. Um, my parents, except for surprisingly, my father even asked that question because he's a man of few words. And I was <laughs> surprised that he would even ask me that question. My mother never did. She never mm -hmm. did. But I was surprised when my father did, like, are you kidding? And I think it was because I moved with my father. I moved back to New Jersey when my father was ill. So he had never lived in the house with me since I was probably like seven years old. So he wanted to ask those questions now, but that, that wasn't my thought pattern. No, dad, it's not, you know, that's not what I'm thinking about. So, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, okay. I didn't think I was at that point yet. Anyway. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Hey, I'm stopping my own YouTube video and podcast episode to let you know about NoBibsBurpsBottles.com. That's right. Stop and visit our website today. We have a bunch of awesome child-free pride merchandise made especially for you. Visit NoBibsBurpsBottles.com today. Peace. So can you ch share any challenging experiences um, with dating? So you are beautiful. You, I, I, I follow you on Instagram. So you have a vibrant um, personality and lifestyle. And so with dating, has that been an issue with, you know, do you want to date um, someone with kids? Is that a deal breaker for you? Um, so just your dating kind of your life and the conversations of children when you're dating um, a potential partner. It would be nice to date someone who had no children. That would be my preference. However, at my age, most men have children, adult children, which is also good if they have adult children who are not in the home. None under 18 would be my preference um, because it's difficult. You know what I mean? And then they would, they should spend time with their children no matter what. So I just prefer to date someone who doesn't have any children. That way I have no worries about them having, you know, oh, the, the kids are coming, popping in and out or something like that. But I could adjust, you know, mm -hmm. depending on the age of the, the kids, of the children, I should say. And a lot of times, because we're in that age group, um, you know, a lot of potential partners will have children. Have you experienced having to kind of explain that or do the, the potential partners understand that? Like in regards to you, you don't have kids, you don't want kids. Like, can you um, give an example of maybe a conversation that either went well or was a little bit shaky? It's, you know what, um, they ask why haven't I, because I do have that, that nature. Why don't I have children? And I said, well, I never met the person you know, that I wanted to have any children from, but, you know, meeting their children, um, the good thing about it is even the last person that I dated had children, adult children. And so I had the opportunity to be around them, you mm -hmm. know, and have that experience because they're adult children um, and not 
smaller children. So the experience for me has been very good. You know, um, I haven't had any conflicts, for instance, like with someone always say, saying, oh, I have to pick up the children or I have to go and do this because I don't think I would, I, I could deal with that. That would annoy me, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. And say more about 18 and up, like what is it, you know, how about if you meet a, a really great person and they have an eight-year-old, how do you weigh the options of moving forward? And what is it about the 18 and under? Good luck with that because there's <laughs> child support, you know, there's responsibilities that they must, that they must and that they should, I wouldn't have it any other way. And I wouldn't want to take away from an eight-year-old who definitely needs their parent at that time, I would pass. Um, on that I would definitely pass because I, I just I just feel that that you know age and stage it's always age and stage for me age and stage what's going on I don't mm -mm. Mm -hmm. I have no interest you're like yeah. adult kids check got it adult adult children you know mm -hmm. adult children be done maybe they're they're grown and happily married living in other states mm -hmm. something like that yes, yes. I'm, I'm okay with that right <laughs> living far far no I'm just joking but you know yeah living far far away never mm -hmm. never land yeah and that's the thing as child-free women we have to understand kind of what we want in our lives and I know sisters who date um, people who have young kids, adult kids. And so it really is the person saying like, even though I'm child-free, if I date someone, kind of how, how is this going to work with my lifestyle? So, and we should be able to speak honestly and openly about our preferences. So I'm, I'm, I'm pretty much over Disney, you know what <laughs> I mean? So that wouldn't be fair, you know, I'm, I'm over Disney, you know, that's mm -hmm. cute and everything, but no, I'm not there. And, and I shouldn't speak against that because what if I did meet someone but if it would be to preference. Mm -mm. Got it. Got it. So in, in again, we, we kind of reference society and how society has rules for everything. Um, and sometimes there's an agenda that's pushed out um, on certain topics or issues. What are your thoughts or views about how child-free individuals or child-free African-American women are portrayed in society? Um, just your thoughts. Yeah, it's more like we we can't get a man. Something is wrong with us. We can't be independent, intelligent, um, educated, you know, proud. We can't be this way. Something has to be wrong with us. And I think we need to be able to change it, that there's nothing wrong with us. Some of us know that we have choices and we're exercising those rights because that's exactly what they're for. Um, sure, there's always been a stigma, you know, because it was set up that we should be barefoot and pregnant at home, uneducated and told what to do, not supposed to work. And look at where we are both, you know, doctors, you know, we have our doctoral degrees and we're not supposed to even be at this pivotal point. So something has to be wrong with us. We're not displayed in the forefront more to say, oh my goodness, look at this for forum that my soror came up with. <gasps> we exist. You know, yeah. you are finally giving us an opportunity to say, look, we exist and we're good. We're good with where we are. And there's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with me. I have everything works down here now. You know, there was never any problem there. It was all good. Okay. I'm just happy, you know, but no, it just didn't work out that way for me. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I love how you really talk about this, this barefoot and pregnant because in certain 
cultures and I think even still in the U.S. that that is the mindset of some people mm -hmm. and again this form no bibs burps bottles it's it's about celebrating us no, no mom bashing no uh you know save the planet there should be less kids that's not that's not really um my my platform thank you for for mentioning that because we together we continue to dispel that myth um do you believe the experiences of child-free african-american women are different from other cultures so white child-free women latino child-free women women in other cultures or do you think we're all all the same no, I, I do think that there's a cultural difference. I believe there may be more pressure put on women in those cultures um, that married life. And that this is just me. I'm not speaking after anyone. No, I haven't done the research. This is just a, a general statement that I'm making. Sure, I believe that uh, some cultures there uh, socialize to be prepared to mm -hmm. Um, be married. And I think that's absolutely wonderful. I think that's absolutely great. Uh, there is a difference, you know, and I think in some cultures, it's, it's highly regarded. And, um, you know, that women should be married, women should have children, you know, couples, you know, couple marriage, children, you know, that route. I, I believe that um, my mother said the same, you know, mm -hmm. be married, you know, don't have children out of wedlock. And, you know, my sisters chose that route because they have children out of wedlock. That's not something that I chose to do, that I wanted to do to have children out of wedlock. So, you know, I stuck to the way that I was socialized, but culture does play a, a big role mm -hmm. in childbearing and child rearing practices, I should mm -hmm. say. Mm -hmm. Yes. And so, I'm gonna say a, a comment to you and I wanna know just your, your initial reactions and thoughts. And so I, I often post on Instagram, on my platform, No Bibs Burps Bottles, that pe people in society will see my, will see that I'm an African-American woman before they know that I'm child-free. And the reason why I say that because my platform highlights black African-American mm -hmm. women, but we also know um, the stereotypes and the discrimination that comes against us. So when I say people will see your color before you, before they know you are child-free, what, what, what are your thoughts or reactions to that? You know, I teach about racism. So, you know, of course, that is the first thing that people see is your color. And then it's the rest. They see the outside first, how we present ourselves. They don't know that. And getting to the question a lot of time is interested. It's interesting now the way we're approached. I can be approached as an adult and the things that people want to ask and they're afraid to ask and they don't know how to ask those type of questions. But I just feel like today um, people are more open and free with asking me questions about me. And I'm so free about sharing that this is me that they're surprised because I always say, have your twenties and your thirties. You haven't lived until you, you've had your twenties and your thirties and then you can have children and then you can decide there are, there's still going to be stigmas associated with this independent black woman who has no children and is not married, no matter what. I don't think we can get around that, but we have to show people mm -hmm. with this platform that we do exist and we're good with who we are. I'm good for real. Yeah. I'm really good, you know, with this 
and I stand firm about it. You know, I have my mug. I use, you know, when I'm in class and everything, I have my mug. And they're like, what is that? I child free African American women. Thank you. You know, like that. Yes. Yeah. And really, yeah. it's here because um, it, it's just about just conversations where I'm not trying to tell people what to do. I'm trying to let people be empowered by if you have no children, don't let your family, your friends, society, anybody tell you that you are less than and motherhood is here and we are here. And so I appreciate you, um, you know, being in the space that you, the spaces that you occupy and sharing your narrative and sharing your story. Yeah. Oh, it's wonderful. I mean, we have to almost stand up for each other to say, it's nothing wrong with, you know, you waiting. There's exactly. nothing wrong with that. I mean, and, and, and I'm older, so I'm saying, no, it's not going to happen at this age. Now, if it did, it would be the Immaculate Conception and I'm keeping it. That's different, but that's not, that's probably not going to happen. But, you know, just, you know, letting, you know, women know that it is okay to wait. Don't feel rushed and don't feel that pressure either because you're the one who's going to have to do the work, you know, and that's a lot to raise a child today. Mm -hmm. You know, and so that's what I would put, put, I would say, put you first. And mm -hmm. are you ready for this? Because it's a major responsibility. Now, you mentioned, you know, that at this age, it's not going to happen because we talk about, you know, the biological clock ticks and then it ends right at a certain age. Um, yeah. Have you ever considered or did was it a fleeting thought about adoption um, or uh, just any other things that came to mind? Well, you mentioned that you had no um medical issues um so it was if you wanted children you could conceive but have you thought now at this age if you wanted children would adoption be on the radar or you oh absolutely absolutely because my background um for a number of years i was a supervisor of foster care and adoption services yes there are a number of children that are in foster care right here in the United States. I'm not going to another country. Yes, I would love to be a foster parent and or adopt a child. Absolutely, I would love to be able to bring or to give love to a child. It is something that I have considered and I would love to do that. If, if anything, yes, even being a foster parent. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Because again, you have that maternal instinct and you also have been able to gain that experience, You know, taking care of your nieces and nephews and the students that you have. So that's good. That's good. And it's temporary. They can always yes. go back to where they came from. <laughs> yes. It's just like we can I can love you. I can care for you. And it's it's all temporary. So you and I'll see you the next time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you get to really shape um the development of a child. So so there's a lot of conversations about legacy, right? You know, you have you have, get married, you have a family, you have these kids, you pass on the name, you pass on your wealth, you pass on your house, etc. And as child-free women, a lot of times it's like, well, who are you going to leave your things to? So when we talk about legacy, um, being child-free, what would your legacy look like? And, and the wonderful thing is that I have grandnieces and nephews who know me. I grew up, I only knew my mother and my sisters. We didn't have relationships with my father's family and my mother's side of the family, two sides. Um, so that was kind of difficult, you know, not knowing that family and as an adult, just getting to know them. Now I make sure that my nieces and my, their children, my grandnieces and nephews, that they know me. 
um, that they understand, you know, the importance of the legacy that my mother started, you know, and about education and, you know, it being a privilege and not a right. Um, I don't worry about, you know, as far as like, oh, who am I going to leave my money to? You know, that's, that's like the least thing that I'm worried about, you know, worried about, oh, I'll just, you know, leave it to this one or that one. That's another thing I don't have to worry about, you know, worrying about leaving my children behind if anything did happen to me. Mm -hmm. It's another thought, you know, to think about. And then, um, you know, just being prepared for, you know, people would say, well, who's going to care for you? Oh, got plenty of nieces and nephews. Got plenty of them. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. I'm not even worried about that. So I think my legacy would be that it would be as a family member who was involved with all the children who was yes. loved by many. And she exposed us to everything. They would have something to say about Auntie Fabby, no matter what. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. they would have a story to tell. Good, good, good. So being a child-free African-American woman, what message would you give to young women who may want to be child-free, but are pressured by family, a partner, or just the, the societal pressure? It's, it's your life and you should enjoy it because you'll have an opportunity to experience so much at a certain age, instead of saying, I had to wait until I was in my fifties, take the opportunity to say, do it now while you're young and you can, and you can, and, you know, enjoy it. Don't worry about any stigmas associated with you being single or you not having children. Think about, I want to enjoy my life first. And I tell my students this, this isn't something that I'm just saying today. Have your twenties and your thirties, wait, slow down a little bit because they'll say, well, what about you? I said, well, I'll be honest. I had my twenties, my thirties, my forties and my fifties and I love it. So it's okay. It's nothing wrong with it, but you know, at least know what you're doing and enjoy your life and make decisions that will benefit you and mm -hmm. don't worry about anyone else. Good advice, good advice. And young women need to hear that. Again, it's, it's showing different narratives, it's presenting different scenarios to, to young women. So any regrets, anything that you would do different? No, 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 not. One thing different, I would not because, you know, just when your steps are ordered, how can you ever say, I, I don't know any other way what could have happened if I took this route or if I didn't do this or if I didn't do that? I think that uh, I'm happy where I am. You know, I'll be 55 in October. And so I'm letting people know, period, okay? They're yes. letting them know that, look, it's okay. I'm good. I'm happy. You know, I have fish, three, three beautiful fish, <laughs> you know, to think about. And I don't worry about a thing. I don't worry about what anyone has to say you know, about me because what people say, it really doesn't matter. As long as I'm in my space and I feel good, you know, that's, that's good. such as life. It's all good. It's all good. So well, thank you for having this. Listen, this is amazing. People don't know about this. This is going to be huge. I'm speaking it into existence. People don't know enough or that there is a format forum and I'm telling us sisters it's okay we're good you know don't be ashamed even if you're in it right now it doesn't mean that you know in two or three years you won't have children but feel good and know that you're supported right now so yes. thank you 
Thank yeah. you. Thank yeah. you, Dr. Harris. You're amazing. We're sorbors. We do things first things first. This is an amazing platform. So we have uh-huh. to thank you for thank this outlet. You. Thank you. Thank you. You're and welcome. Just putting it, in, putting it out there into existence. So like I said, as we come to a close, I want to give you the opportunity to share the amazing things that you're doing. So please promote you. I know you have a book that's out. So um, Shine, Sister Shine, what would you like to, to let the audience know before we wrap up? Well, I am so fortunate that I have a book. The title of the book is Keeping School Children Safe and Alive, Strategies to Stop Bullying and Prevent Suicide. It's a book that's based off of my dissertation that I wrote. I did a study of a principal's understanding of bullying. We know it's a phenomenon. We know the children are committing suicide um, because of it. And we have to do everything that we can to prevent it. And I think it's very important that we begin a dialogue, a discussion about it's very important. Then I'm writing about a racial profiling training needed for the police officers. You know, they do need training, training, and who else to do it? But as social workers, I keep stressing training because if they are a profession, they should behave as such. And social work being a profession, we help people change. Mm-hmm. So that's also some uh, research that I'm working on. Um, I stay very busy. Um, we'll see how it goes this semester. Pretty much, um, uh, I'm a second year law student. Um, what else can I say? I'm going into my second year of uh, uh, law school at Fordham University in New York. I have no time to do anything else except for write and do research. If you don't publish, you you perish. So that's my story and I'm sticking to it. Yes. Yes. Busy, busy, busy. I love it. And you are a great representation of a sister who is doing her thing. Child-free, fabulous. You look good at 55. So again, this is what it's all about. No biz verbs bottles, sharing our stories, sharing what life really looks like, what it really looks like, not some fairy tale that people think like, oh, we're just so upset because we don't have kids. So thank you so much for joining today. I hope that everyone listening, you enjoy this episode. There'll be more information about Dr. Phyllis Gillians in the description notes. And please remember, womanhood is not synonymous with motherhood. Thank you guys for joining us today on No Bibs First Bottles. Take care, peace. You have been listening to the No Bibs Burps Bottles podcast a podcast dedicated to the empowerment of African-American Black child-free women. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave us a five-star rating. And don't forget to share this podcast with another child-free bestie. Stay tuned for the next episode. And until then, keep living your best child-free life.